Praise the Lord and welcome to the broadcast today. Cross time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. We have these cross time Bible sessions every Monday morning and Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time. You can watch it live on the Crossway Church Queen City, Texas Facebook page or you can watch it later on. Uh, it's always they're always uploaded to the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. And if anything ever goes wrong with the video or any of that, you if you get the Spreaker app for your smartphone, our channel is for those who have ears to hear, and it's audio. Everything I do, no matter where I am, all of my teaching, such as what I'm saying right now goes into that Spreaker app onto our channel for those who have ears to hear. So you can <clears throat> go there and, <clears throat> excuse me, you can go there and follow or subscribe however you do. You can uh, follow our, our channel on that app and you can even get alerts to listen such as right now while we're live or you can go listen to the audio later. So, Anyway, sometimes we have video issues, we have uh, audio issues with like the mic or whatever, but it's always in the Spreaker app for your convenience to go and listen to whatever we're teaching and preaching. I just want to share that with you. We have a website, thecrosswaychurch.com. I have several commentaries on there. Angel Peace has her music CD on there. Just click on the store icon. You can see what's available. And I praise the Lord for all he's doing. Going to be more commentaries coming soon. I'm thankful for that as well. And uh, don't forget about determined camp meeting. Really, that's a dumb statement. Don't forget. Who will forget about determined camp meeting? It's October the 5th through the 8th. Make sure you get uh, 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 that on your calendar this year. Make sure you get your hotel reserved and uh, people coming from all over the country to determined camp meeting. Everybody gathers around the Lamb. The Word of the Cross is ministered. The Holy Spirit's moving and doing just an untold number of things in and through our lives. And it's such a privilege and an honor to gather with people of like precious faith. It's not some clique or something like some try to make it out to be. My friend, it's the clique Paul was in, the determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. Praise be to God. So make sure that you are there this year, October the 5th through the 8th. Make sure you are uh, in the right uh, community of believers, those who are determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified. I'll put it on the screen. You'll have to go to the YouTube channel to see the names of the speakers. It'll be there. It's there right now while I'm talking, if you're watching this on YouTube uh, later on today. But the names of the speakers, what time they're speaking, and all of that information will be there. Again, that's at Christ Community Church in Palestine, Texas, October the 5th through the 8th. Starts Thursday night, ends uh, Sunday night. And I'm just so honored and, and just blessed of the Lord to be able to be a part of that, to be one of the ministers there. I'll be ministering on Sunday morning this year at the conference and looking so forward to hearing all the other ministers. It's going to be a great delight from the Lord this year. Also, in Brockton, Massachusetts, I'll be there September the 22nd through the 24th 
The information is on the screen right now while I'm talking about it, if you're watching on the YouTube channel later on when it's uploaded. So uh, it's, it's in Brockton, Massachusetts. These meetings came about from uh, two or three or four or five people catching on fire for the message of the cross in Naples, Florida a few months ago and uh, say they want this message up in Massachusetts. So uh, I know it's probably already there somewhere, but we're going to take it there also and just light a fire, the Holy Spirit will light a fire, and we pray that God would eventually raise up a cross-preaching church, a determined church. And I thank God for the opportunity to carry this message up to Massachusetts this month. It is September today, by the way, praise the Lord. So and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, so that when our worship services come on, you'll get alerted. Uh, you can go there, watch everything we do gets put there. So again, it's Curtis Hutchinson 316 on the YouTube channel. Subscribe, like it, follow it, whatever is out there to be done with it, and help us publish the word of the truth of the gospel. Hallelujah. Well, today we're in 2 Peter chapter 1. This is part 11 on this first day of September 2023, and we're just excited about right where the Lord has us in the word of the Lord today. I'm so thankful that we can just walk through the scriptures, be led of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to have a special session for anything. Whatever God wants to say, he can say right through the Bible study, right through the Bible study. I mean, there's nothing more precious than the word of the Lord. It's, it we'll see today as Peter wrote it. We have a more sure word of prophecy that it stands higher than any experience. Even that of seeing Christ transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy than any experience. And that's what the church, especially the Pentecostal church, we need to get back to where scripture is more important than anything that goes on at the altar. Scripture, truth, and that it that should be causing what goes on at the altar. Hallelujah. And because really the altar is in our hearts, amen? It's not just the front of a church where we get together and, and, and expect God to do something. There's nothing wrong with that. We should be doing that, praying for one another, but the scriptures should hold a higher place than anything in our lives, amen? The scriptures should hold a higher place a more sure place in our heart than anything because experiences can seduce us. Experiences, if we're not careful, can move us away from sound doctrine unless we're standing and unmovable in sound doctrine. So let's look at this. Let's start today. I'll read beginning in verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That means Peter, he's not telling folk 
anything that's a cunningly devised, made up, pretending fable. He's telling them what his eyes beheld. And his eyes beheld the splendor, the glory, and the honor of Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. As we touched on that last week, the Bible says in a couple of other places that Jesus' face lit up like the sun and his clothes were as white, white light. His raiment was as white light. That means he, Jesus stepped into the status of his glorified state that he would experience through the cross. Through the cross, and I want to, I want to, I want. We'll see some things today that's going to be just beautiful and wonderful. So grab your Bibles and follow along with us here in Second Peter chapter one, and verse seventeen says, "For he, and this is going to be this is going to be very enlightening. I know today as the Lord's going to reveal some things to us that not only will help us, but they will help us in an encouraging way and." give us more clarity of, of the scriptures. And that's what's very important, that we're not just encouraged in, our, in the way we feel, but that we're encouraged with the soundness of doctrine that the Lord is working into our hearts, grafting his words of truth and life and liberty and the life they are into our souls. So watch this in verse 17. For he, Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came, watch, when there came such a voice to him. Notice, let's read this again. For Jesus received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, the glory that excels far beyond what was going on right there in that moment, the excellent glory. Listen, and this is what, this is what that voice said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In whom I am well pleased. And, and I think we brought it out in last week's session that when God speaks from heaven in the New Testament, just as in the other time when John baptized Jesus in the River Jordan and the voice spoke from heaven, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. When the voice of God speaks from heaven, it's always going to be by his son through the blood. First, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter, take notes, take notes. Look at this. You're probably not going to remember it. Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. And if you think you know it, go look at it again. Many times I go look at scripture again and I'm like, wow, I've never, wow. Amen. You, you, you can't exhaust even one Bible verse, my friend. God's got more for you, more for you out of every Bible verse in your Bible. I don't care how many times you've read it, how much you've heard it preached. If you open your Bible, God's still got more for you in every Bible verse in your Bible. Every Bible verse can produce more life, more light, more liberty in your heart. So don't ever think, well, yeah, I know what that says. No, go look at it. 
Lay your eye bulbs on it and open your heart for more. Hallelujah. But in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible there tells us that God no longer speaks in various ways and diverse manners as he did under the old covenant as he spoke to Israel's fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, that means when Jesus came and began the last days, the last two days before he comes to take us away and then comes back to reign for a thousand years. In these last days, he speaks to us by his son. And Hebrews chapter 12, verses 24 and 25 reveal the avenue, the singular, one and only avenue through which he speaks to us by his son is through the blood. It's the blood that's speaking. Hallelujah. He drew us near by the blood, Ephesians 2.13. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. He was talking about his cross. He was talking about his blood being shed and calling, declaring his righteousness. The declaration of God's righteousness is the call and the drawing of all humanity. Hallelujah. All of humanity wants to find a way to be right to whatever God it is they're serving, but there's only one true God. He gave his one and only begotten son and offered us eternal and abundant life through his one and only way, which is the delivering up of his son for us on Calvary's cross and the shedding of his blood is him speaking to you and you are not hearing God outside that avenue. This is how to disagree with that proves the degree of the seduction in your life and the church's existence. Most preachers don't know this. Most, most preachers, this is how seduced the church is today, my friend. Most preachers don't know this. Even many that can teach very eloquently the scriptures will say we don't need to, uh, redemption doesn't have to touch every message. But if redemption is not touching every message, you are not hearing from God. You're only hearing men relate words written in the Bible to other men, and they're tossing their knowledge around. The knowledge of God can only come through the blood by the power and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. God only speaks from heaven through the blood of his son. If you get away from that, you're into mysticism and witchcraft and voodoo and all sorts of fake and make-believe and pretending witchcraft. It's all it is, using God's word in an unrighteous context. So we need to understand this. When Jesus, let's read this, for he received, Jesus received from God the Father honor and glory when? When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, the glory that excelled far beyond what was happening right there, and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now think about this. God is not pleased. It is impossible to please God without faith. This means that Jesus is the only one that carried the faith that could please God. There is no pleasing God outside of Jesus Christ and your yielded heart 
to him and what he did for you on Calvary's cross. God cannot be pleased if Jesus is not involved. And his only involvement is through your yielded heart in the work he provided at Calvary. If you'll remember when you were born again, it was because you yielded your heart to the truth of the cross. The Bible calls it in Romans chapter 10, verse 10, believing with the heart unto righteousness. Romans chapter 6, verse 17, says it this way, that when you obeyed that form of doctrine which was delivered you, you were made free from sin and servants, you became servants of righteousness. So it's where the heart is yielded. And when we yielded our heart to the truth of the gospel that we needed to save us from our sins, then the Lord Jesus Christ gave us the measure of his faith. And I won't get into that today, but I am fired up about it. Look on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. There's three sessions there. The first one is about one faith. The second one is about one object of faith. And the third one we did yesterday is about the one avenue through which that faith comes, that one faith comes from that one object. You need to watch all three of those. They're little short 15, 18 minute long clips with your Bible in your lap and your eyes glued to the scriptures that you'll hear and you will be tremendously blessed. But notice this, and I want to bring unto another scripture into this today because it's something that I've, I've struggled with and not really understood it uh, like I needed to. And again, there's always more understanding to come if we'll just keep seeking the Lord, looking through the cross of Christ because you're not going to grow in anything unless you're looking through the cross. Let me say that again. You're not going to learn anything from the Holy Spirit you might learn not to stick tweezers in a light socket, but you're not going to learn anything from the Holy Spirit unless you're looking through Calvary. Nothing, not one thing. And I have scripture for that. I have scripture for that. Jesus said, if you don't bear your cross, you can't be my disciple. The word disciple means learner. Learning is over when we're not yielded to the truth of Calvary with our hearts. We call it faith in the cross, and don't put your faith in anything, and I really don't want to get into this too deep today. It's, you need to go listen to those other three sessions, but I personally no longer believe that I can put this faith God gave me in anything else. It won't go in anything else. It came, the faith that, that God dealt to me, this measure, it came with its object. So we need to stick, we need to stick and stay with Romans 6, 16. That it's, it's who we're yielded from our heart to serve. That's what the Bible says. It's who we're yielded, it's who we're yielding to to serve. It's either the sin nature under the place of death, no fruit bearing, like the church in Galatia found themselves, Galatians 5, 1 through 4, or we can yield our hearts to obedience. That's the obedience of Christ unto righteousness. And that means not just initially being made righteous, but you and I now have a choice to which we will yield ourselves to. You know, when you were lost, you were bound by the sin nature. It dominated you. It controlled you. 
And there's no need now for it to continue to control you as a Christian, but it will if you don't yield your heart moment by moment to Christ's obedience unto his righteousness offered you at Calvary. So, so you got to be careful, and maybe we've said some things and we're learning how to re-say some things rightly because you didn't have faith when you were born again. You didn't have anything to offer. And the Bible says that we obtained this light, precious faith, 2 Peter 1 and 1. Again, I don't want to get into this too deep, but I'm on fire about it. can't hardly stop. But you, you and I didn't have anything to bring to the table, but our hearts yielded to the truth of the gospel, and we obtained faith. Hallelujah. So go listen to those three sessions. You'll be tremendously blessed. So watch this in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. And studying here in First Peter, Second Peter rather, chapter 1, has helped the Lord, has helped, the Lord has helped me have more clarity in this Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Watch this. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. God became a man incarnate as a man, made lower than the angels as a man. He came into this world born of a virgin, became a man. For the suffering of death, watch, crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Now, I've always thought of this Bible verse in my, I think, lack of understanding is that he was crowned with glory and honor when he went to the cross. But 2 Peter chapter 1, let's go back and look at this, tells us in verse 17, for he received, and, and Peter's telling about, Peter's telling about what he saw with his eyes when Jesus was transfigured into the his glorious state, in that who he would be after the crucifixion, after his death, burial, and resurrection. Peter saw this majesty. He was eyewitnesses of this, and he explains it. For he received, this is what he saw, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory and declared, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And it's when Moses and Elijah, you can read this in Luke 9, 30 and 31, Luke chapter 9, verses 30 and 31, the two men talked with him, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory also and spoke of his death, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. This was the main focus at the Mount of Transfiguration. Listen, the death of Jesus is, is what allowed Jesus to be glorified, honored and glorified. Listen, honored and glorified right there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And as we said last week, when John the Baptist baptized Jesus in water in the River Jordan, which was symbolic and, 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 and a shadow of what he would do 
on Calvary's cross, and we know it's true because John the Baptist said to Jesus, why do you want me to baptize you? You need to be the one baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, let us do this that we might fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness does not exist for you and me, my friend, without the blood of Jesus. Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26 tell us that righteousness was declared from the cross through the shedding of his blood. That's where God speaks. God spoke from heaven twice when Jesus was baptized in water, which represented him dying and being buried and raised up again. God spoke then, and God speaks here on this mountain this day when Moses and Elijah is speaking to Jesus about his soon coming death. You got to understand, my friend, when you're looking at the scriptures through any other light that shines from the face of Jesus, the light of the knowledge of the glory of the gospel that shines in the face of Jesus, you, you're not going to understand the scriptures except from the way men can explain them to you. But you need more than what men offer. You need the Holy Spirit showing you. You need the Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth. And all truth cannot be found. No truth can be found except through the first avenue you found him initially. That's it. You won't find any truth outside the avenue of that yielded heart to obedience under righteousness. If there's two avenues that we have to choose who we will yield to, who we will be subject to, who we will follow, being that of the sin nature unto a place of death, no fruit bearing, and claiming all this stuff is fruit bearing when it's not. Because outside of serving obedience under righteousness, there is no fruit. There is no fruit. This is the only option we have for fruit bearing. Read Romans 6, 16. For you as a child of God, you only have one avenue of fruit bearing, and that's only when we are yielded with our hearts to that same form of doctrine that freed us from sin and made us candidates to be able to serve righteousness unto obedience. He did that by making us righteous in Christ Jesus. And then every moment of your life, you have the potential, it's not automatic, you have the potential to stay from your heart yielded to what your Savior did for you at Calvary, not just for forgiveness and going to heaven, for, but for all the grace you need to be a husband, a father, a mother, a wife, to obey your parents in the Lord, children, to be the good... I don't care what it is. You can't function with fruit outside the grace of God. And God's grace reigns through righteousness. It doesn't work or reign outside of righteousness. There is no grace. God wants to give us more grace. 
but outside of this place of yielded to the truth that made me righteous and a servant of righteousness, outside of this process and this experience of my heart yielded to the truth of Christ and Him crucified, there is no grace for me to experience obedience unto righteousness because that's Christ's obedience. That's what I'm yielded to. You know, the Lord told me recently, I'm not yielded to him unless it's Christ's surrender. I have nothing without Jesus. I can't believe in God if I'm not believing through Christ and him crucified. You know, there's songs being written. I heard one just recently about, I speak Jesus. Just speak Jesus. Listen, saying the word Jesus ain't going to get you anything, my friend. There are many Jesuses being preached, many legalistic views such as that. I just speak Jesus over your life. You better be telling somebody the gospel of Jesus so something can happen. Speak in Jesus, my friend. You get yourself in big trouble thinking that's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. Just speak. That's not scriptural. Preach, share, teach the gospel of Jesus. Hallelujah. The good news of Jesus. Hallelujah. His name withholds everything that we need, but his name, his name is only going to be revealed when our hearts are surrendered to the truth of what he did for us at Calvary, not by just speaking the name of Jesus. I can't just speak the name of Jesus and and and, and, and God do everything that needs to be done. If I could do that, I'd just say, forget coming to church, guys. Sunday morning, I'll just spend from 10 to 12 speaking Jesus over all of your names, and that'll be good enough. But that's not what the Bible says. Hallelujah. See, we can get carried off in all these distractions that sound good. They'll even put some good uh, music with a good beat to it to distract us from what our hearts have to be yielded to. Our hearts have to be yielded to Christ at Calvary and what he did there for us. And that means that my union is with him in his death. I am dead. Hidden with my Jesus in God. Hallelujah. See, faith in Christ for the Christian means I'm being washed daily if I'm repenting and confessing my sins from the unrighteousness and all the sin that's there cluttering up my fellowship with my Lord and my testimony. But it also means, it means being a Christian means far more than having a place in heaven when I die. Being a Christian means I'm following Jesus, and I can't do that unless my faith is in the sacrifice. That's what he taught Luke 9, 23. Amen. Watch this now. For Jesus received from God the Father honor and glory when there came a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now again, Moses and Elijah came and talked to Jesus about the death he would die. That's what we're reading about right here. And the voice spoke from heaven, declared from heaven who this is. These men needed to know this. These men needed to know this. And Jesus, as a man, needed this encouragement. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. Yes, he was fully God, but never forget he was fully 
man. Jesus, as a man, needed this encouraging reminder from his heavenly Father that this is, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And let's talk about this for another minute or so. God, it's, and we said it a few minutes ago in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It's not hard to please God without faith. It's impossible. He cannot ever be pleased without faith. And for him to say that this is his beloved son in whom he is well pleased means that Jesus completely, every second of his life, lived by faith and brought this faith into the world. Galatians 3.23 says, when that faith came. You see, we don't have the same faith the old covenant saints had. They had the faith that a Savior would come, and their faith was that he would come. Our faith is literally because Jesus came and opened the door in his death to all the world. Our faith is literally the faith of Jesus. The measure we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. He gave us that measure, and that is now the object of our faith that God gave us. Make no mistake about it. That is the object of our faith that God gave us. So it won't fit in anything else. But Jesus said this, and, it's, and it always, when I see it, it amazes me, encourages me, and really just it edifies my soul and my spirit to hear my Savior say, I always please the Father. No, man, no other man can say that. No other man can say that other than Jesus. That means for Jesus to say that, and that be true, and we know it is, is because there was never a moment in his life that he did not live completely by faith because it's impossible to please God without faith. And he had to be perfectly pleasing God every moment of his life. He said, I always please the Father. And the Father cannot be pleased without faith. That means Jesus was our perfect, sinless Savior and example of perfect faith. See, this is so comforting when it comes to faith because it's not about something we have and that we have to conjure up and we have to we have to make it work no we were given the only faith that works and it always works because it's the faith of Jesus and let's read on here again i don't want to get into that teaching about faith there's more to come on that so watch those three sessions on the youtube channel and expect more as we learn more and 
and, 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 and put more on the table from the Word of God and, and believe the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth and grace to enlarge the borders of our heart and fill it with more truth as he longs to do. So watch this now. The voice said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The only place God is pleased is in Christ. That's, that, that's such an important word, that two-letter word, in, in Christ. That, that, that's such an important two-letter word, in. God is not pleased anywhere among humanity except in Christ. That's why when he saved you, he had to immerse you into Christ by immersing you into his death. Romans 6 and 3. Let's go read that beautiful scripture this morning as well as we know it and as well as we could quote it and as many times as we've seen it, it is beautiful to behold the Word of God is beautiful to behold. Imagine words written down that God has given men to speak to us so that He, by His Spirit, can guide us into His good, acceptable, and perfect will. And you and I can experience and carry out by His Spirit of grace all of God's will. Watch the beauty of this Bible verse in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not, don't you know, that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. This speaks no mention of water baptism because it holds no reference to it at all. None. None. If you, if you want to know who you can read behind with security and assurance that more than likely you're going to hear the right uh, uh, exposition and commentary of the new covenant, I always, when I pick up a commentary in the bookstore on Romans, I go straight to Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and if they're talking about water baptism, they're not going to be able to help you like they could with what they've written in all of their commentaries. Because you've got to understand that you were not immersed into the body of Christ by being immersed into a water baptismal tank. If you think you were, then you were living under the law of works, the works of the law. You can't save yourself. Getting water baptized is something you do or a preacher did to you in the water. Water can't save you, but the blood of Jesus can. You, you, I don't want to get into this, but you got preachers running around saying that you're not really saved if you didn't get baptized in water in the name of Jesus only. My goodness, gracious alive, what about the people who never were baptized at all? What about the people who were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Those preachers are saying that didn't save you. You're not really saved. And because 
Many Christians are so unsure of their salvation because they've never sat under the preaching of the cross after they were saved and learned the scriptures through the lens of Calvary. They will hear things like that and it'll freak them out and bring fear to their heart just like Peter in Antioch and they will go and get water baptized again. The lady contacted me last week and told me there were Pentecostal preachers in Australia gathering people from everywhere and they were getting, uh, Christians were being water baptized again claiming that would uh, b make an atmosphere for God's presence. My Lord, they know nothing about the presence of God. Can I say that again? If you believe that kind of stuff, you're not aware of the presence of God that you have and what you think is the presence of God is not the presence of God. If you have to do something in the natural, if you have to do something in the natural to bring God's presence among you, then that means you, you're not aware that you have his presence now as a child of God and you're trying to work and do something to impress him. Yes, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people, and that is that you will recognize him inhabiting the praises of his people. But listen, the praises of his people aren't accepted by him unless they're coming through faith in the sacrifice. It's the sacrifices of righteousness that please him, not just words, not just hands in the air, not just dancing, but listen, worship that's done in spirit. That means by born-again people, but also in truth. In truth. The truth is who Jesus is and what he did at Calvary. Hallelujah. So you got all of these things out there. So watch this. Don't you know that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. You entered Jesus when he was on the cross. You say, but that was 2,000 years ago and I'm here now. Listen, Christianity and salvation is about the way God sees it. It's the operation of God and his operation took place 2,000 years ago. And you say, well, how can that be? I'm here now. Well, how could the lamb be slain then before the foundation of the world if he only showed up and did it 2,000 years ago? Because we're talking about God's strategic blueprint, his layout, his mind, his plan. It was finished by the time he started it before the foundation of the world. You need to understand that God never starts anything that's not already finished in his view. Mm. Oh, what a powerful statement. But you were immersed into the death of Jesus on Calvary's cross. That's why the apostle Paul could say, I'm crucified with Jesus, yet I'm living right now. But it's not me any longer that's living. It's now Christ living in me. Hallelujah. The life that I now live, I live in this flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, the faith of the one who lives in me. You see, the only reason I have the measure of faith is because I have the one whose faith it is. Ooh, 
living in me. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I, listen, the only reason I've got the love of God shed abroad in my heart is because I've got the one who is love living in my heart. The only reason I can live by the faith of the Son of God is because I've got the one in whom God is well pleased dwelling in me by his spirit. Hallelujah. Woo, this is good to me. I hope the Holy Spirit is able to touch your heart today. The only reason that we can live as Christians is because Christ now dwells within us and God is only pleased in him. So therefore, because he is in us, we are in him having been immersed into him, into his death. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. This is too good to be true. Hallelujah. This is too good to be true. Glory to the Lamb of God. This is too good to be true that you and I have God Almighty dwelling in us because His Son dwells in us by His Spirit. Oh my goodness. Now watch this. And His voice, verse 18, and this voice, not just any old voice, this voice which came from heaven again. God is speaking from heaven by his son. That means through his blood. If you're not hearing God through that avenue, it ain't God you're hearing. It's not God you're hearing. You can use God's word in some legalistic form. Think about this for a moment. God's word under the old covenant even gives Israel of old a command to be circumcised. If you are still living under the old covenant and you don't know the truth of the new covenant, you, can, you still can't hear God. You can't see God. You don't know God. You can't walk with God. Let's look at another verse today, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's see if we can get over there, uh, if my iPad will work. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, down here in verse 14, 13, let's start in verse 13. It's a Bible study. 2 Corinthians 3 and 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly or continuously look to the end of that which is going would be abolished, the law, but their minds were blinded. Their minds were blinded. See, your mind's not blinded as a Christian any longer because you now have the mind of Christ. Watch. But their minds were blinded for until this day, and that means even this day, today, for until this day remains the same veil untaken, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil can only be removed in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it, their heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Get that now. And the reason we're over here talking about this particular scripture is because you can't hear from God, see God, walk with God, know God. I don't care if you're born of the lineage of Abraham's flesh without hearing him through the blood of Jesus. 
millions of Israelites, Jewish people, since Jesus came, have died and gone to a place of torment. And they'll be there forever and forever because they've not accepted Jesus Christ. Now get this. Israel dwelt in the land, in the wilderness land, for 40 literal years because they would not receive Jesus Christ when he came as their king and savior and Lord. They have now been dwelling in the wilderness for 40 jubilee years, 2,000 years. Jubilee years, 50 years. 50 years, a jubilee year. 40 jubilee years, 2,000 years. And he's going to return at the end of this age. We will have already been gone and had the supper of the Lamb and we will be coming back with him, and we will watch the Lord Jesus Christ save all of Israel in that day. I want you to know that. But nobody knows God, walks with God, can even believe in God, trust God, unless they are in Christ, meaning immersed into his death through their heart being yielded to that righteousness. The heart has to believe in righteousness, the heart believed unto the death of Jesus because that's where the righteous declaration came from. didn't come from anywhere else. So back to my point about people can use the Bible, but they can use it in a legalistic manner and go straight to hell. Many have, many are. What God wants used under the old covenant, what were commands has been abolished through Christ and his fulfillment of righteousness on Calvary's tree. So you can, you can live, try to live under the old covenant, but you don't know God through that. You can't know God except through Christ. You see, everything written under the old covenant now is still only type and shadow unless you're in Christ and you see all that through Christ who is the light and only Christ is what allows the scriptures that were only type in shadow to come to light. They have to come to light in him or they're still type in shadow and they're still in their legalistic manner. So you must hear God from heaven that's speaking through his son, through his son's blood on Calvary's tree or you are not hearing God. Just because you read the Bible and go do something it says do, a lost person can do that, but the difference is they're not doing it by the Spirit. Everything must be done by the Spirit of God or it is only flesh. It is only flesh. And flesh can't glory in the presence of God. So he says this here in verse 18, And this voice, God's voice, which came all the way from heaven, Peter said, we heard it. When we were with him in the holy mount. Get this. Now we're going we're gonna to end up closing right here pretty soon. But in the context of what Peter said he heard. And what Peter said he saw. Which, to, which had to boggle his mind. It had to be more than what the word amazement can even be defined as. To see Jesus Christ light up 
in his glorified state, face like the sun. That means you that means that means you couldn't look. You can't directly look at the sun. You cannot. You can try, but you 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 have to turn your head because the brightness of the glory of the sun that shines in the sky. And his raiment was like light. So there's two different things there being talked about. Face like the sun, that is a light, but you can't look upon it. Which is which makes us realize that that which we've got coming our glorified status, our Christ in his glorified state, uh, us being glorified, having glorified bodies with him soon to come, hallelujah. We, it, it, it's so bright, it, it, it's like, listen, it's like you can't really look upon it right now fully because it, it, it's too much for this old frailness of ours to behold. But they saw that happen. They saw Jesus' face like the sun and light other than the sun, his clothing, his raiment. Now we understand, as I brought out in the last session, his face being lit up like the sun is symbolic and prophetic of him being called by the prophet Malachi the son of righteousness. <laughs> S-U-N, Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, I believe is correct. If it's not, it's there close. That Jesus is called the Son. Jesus is called the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness that would come with healing in his wings. And we'll see later that he's called here, and we'll get into this next, next week, Monday morning, that Jesus is referred to as the day star. But... His, his, you know, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that says that it's in the face of Jesus, only in the face of Jesus that we can see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The light of the knowledge of the glory. That what happened on Mount Transfiguration, which was symbolic of what would happen on the cross because that's what they were discussing. But the light of the knowledge of the glory of God can only be seen in the face of Jesus. And we brought this out in the last session, so let's do it again at the end of this session. It's so beautiful and wonderful. God had to put Moses in a literal crack, a cleft of a rock, to be able to even walk by him and to declare his glory. Because remember, everything that God would do or say Everything that God would show up and do or say in the Old Covenant was pointing to the cross of Christ. All of it. God never showed up one time. Remember, he came to Israel and he would speak or work or do a great thing or whatever he would do, and then he would depart. He could not stay. He could, in, he could not inhabit the hearts of men because of sin. Christ had not come. But everything that God would say and do under the Old Covenant, all of it, every ounce of it, if you will, pointed to Jesus and what he would fulfill on Calvary's cross. Are you with me? So everything we see has to be in the face of Christ. But listen, I almost lost my train of thought there. 
when God put Moses in a real rock, because it's all symbolic under the Old Testament, he put Moses in a real rock that had a cleft, a place where that rock was pierced, all symbolic of Christ one day coming and being pierced and wounded for our sins and iniquities. He had to put Moses in that pierced place of that rock so he could walk by and declare his glory to him. You can read this in Exodus 32, 33, and 34. It's a beautiful thing. But the, one of the most amazing things other than what God walked by and proclaimed to him, declaring his glory to him, whichever bit of it is what Christ would come and provide through his own sacrifice. Listen, he told Moses, I have to put you in the rock, in the cleft of the rock, so when I pass by... You, you'll only be able to see my back parts. You can't see my face and live. This is beautiful. He's, in other words, he's telling Moses, you can only watch me from this point that we are in right now in the Old Testament. You can only watch me and see where I'm going. Mm. You can only watch me from behind and see where I'm going because no man can see my face and live. And the, the, the beauty of this is that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God being found in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I get to behold the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ through our faith in his sacrificial work and what happens when our hearts yield to the truth of the gospel, we die. <laughs> we lose life that we had to gain the life of Christ that we now have. Because looking upon the face of God, it produces death. That's why the great white throne judgment, all the lost race of Adam, those that never accepted Christ, those that are not believers will stand there, they will behold the face of God and then they must die. You and I have beheld the face of God through the face of the Lord Jesus Christ in which the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is in his face. We're no longer looking from behind to where God is going. Our faith is in where God came, where God went, and where God provided everything that we have need of in his Son. And when we yielded our hearts to that work of righteousness, that death of our Savior, we died with him. Yet we live with him. We were crucified with him, yet we live with him by the power of God. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? All they could do was see where God was leading them to in the old covenant. They could only watch where God was going, where all that God was doing, where we say, where's all this going? Straight to Calvary's tree, my friend. And you and I have been, we have arrived at that place of the tree where we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in his face there. We died and we're born again with Jesus Christ. How beautiful is that? Peter said he saw this beautiful sight. You gotta, you gotta remember, until Jesus died, it was still old covenant. 
It was still under the, under the old covenant. So even all that was going on until he died was about when he would die and what he would be for and to all those that would believe upon him and his dying for them. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. I hope you've been half as encouraged as I've been today. I hope you've been just as half as encouraged as I've been today. And my goodness, you'll be stirred. You will have been stirred by the Lord himself. And he will walk you with great joy through this day. Don't let the fire go out, my friends. Don't let men beguile you. Don't let men, oh, deceive you. Don't let men, don't let men. The Bible says that our, uh, we war not against flesh and blood, but the Bible says men will come and try to deceive you because what's going on is going on through flesh and blood. Don't let men steal your crown. Don't let men beguile you. Don't let men who are wavering away and melting away from the fires of Calvary cause your fire to go out. Oh, find those who desire to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Oh, you'll find those. Mark those. Oh, mark that man who's in this peace and follow them. Follow that ministry of righteousness, that new covenant ministry. Follow it because you'll see the fire burning there, my friend. All ministries either have no fire or they have a fire that's increasing because of the zeal for Christ and him crucified or they have a fire that once caused a zeal and it's dwindling down, my friend. Make sure you're among those where the fire of God is burning brighter and brighter. Glory be to God. It's the fire of God that causes the path we're on to shine more and more under that perfect day. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Praise be to God. I pray that whatever you're asking the Lord for today, that you'd find Him as the provision you need. He is the healer. He's the Savior. He's the deliverer. You can be saved as easy as recognizing that you're a sinner and that God gave His Son to save you from your sinful state, all the guilt and all the shame. He'll make you a new creation right where you are right now. If you'll believe that God gave his son on the cross to die in your place, you can be saved. If you're saved, you can come back to the place where he saved you and walk there and never let your feet be moved away from there. And you will find the fullness of God. You'll find the abundant life that Christ offers you and that you have the potential moment by moment to experience and express in your life. If the Lord stirs your heart to pray for us, please do that. Please do that. There are not many determined today to know nothing other, but there are a few all over the world here and there. There are spots and they are there. So pray for us and pray for all those who are learning to be determined to know nothing other than the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If the Lord stirs your heart to give him an offering through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you richly. 
May he fill your hearts with the truth that his spirit desires to fill you with. And I'll see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. We'll see you then.